Hello and welcome to the Big Question Podcast with your host, Mr. Jason Knapp. Today's big question is why was time of the essence in World War II? Today, we'll talk about the United States in preparing for World War II right after the invasion of Pearl Harbor. So again, time is going to be of the essence here for the United States. Well, Pearl Harbor jarred many American minds out of isolationism and into revenge on Japan mode. This is especially true on the West Coast where there was only water between the United States and the Japanese fleet. Franklin Roosevelt held back the reins, though, against Japan, however, and vowed to get Germany first. So many people in the United States were upset at putting Japan second on the list after the Pearl Harbor invasion, but Germany was the more pressing problem. The plan was to absolutely not let Britain fall to Germany. And meanwhile, send just enough effort to hold Japan at bay in the Pacific and in Asia for the time being. So the problem, I think, for the United States at this time is preparedness. To execute this plan, the U.S. needed time to gear up for war. Again, time. The task was monumental. As Franklin Roosevelt once said, never in American history did so much need to be done in such a short period of time. To change industry from a total war, or to change industry, I should say, into a, you know, for a total war, organize a massive military, ship everything in two directions across the world. As we often will say, this will be a multi-continent and a two-ocean war for the Allies. Well, national unity is not going to be a problem in the United States. I mean, it is as strong as ever after the Pearl Harbor attack. You might say... We were never uh, as united um, like this uh, until 9-11 in 2001. There were no ethnic witch hunts this time, like World War I. Uh, However, one glaring exception to that would be the Japanese Americans. Now, Japanese Americans mostly living on the West Coast. Uh, Japanese Americans were rounded up and sent to internment camps in the in the West. The official reasoning was to protect them from rogues on the streets who may want to take out their Pearl Harbor frustrations on them. But the ulterior motive was that there was distrust. Some believe the Japanese Americans were more loyal to Japan than the United States, and might even be spies. Now, of course, 
this has been founded to be very untrue. Though jailed without due process of law, uh, the Supreme Court upheld the internment camps. In the famous case, Korematsu versus the United States Supreme Court case. Notably, in 1988, the government apologized and offered reparations of $20,000 to each Japanese camp or Japanese-American camp survivor. Many New Deal programs were ended as the war began. Now, all jobs would be war jobs. So unlike World War I, World War II was not made out to be an idealistic crusade. This is more of roll your sleeves up, get to work. Um, you know, the dirty work of defeating the bad guy. So now we got to build a war machine. Uh, the Great Depen Depression, we can say now, has officially ended with huge orders for, for the war effort uh, that now are coming in. More than $100 billion was ordered in 1942. Uh, Henry J. Kaiser, a famous shipbuilder, nicknamed Sir Launchalot for all of the ships that were launched because of his crews and the way they could build an entire ship in only 14 days. The War Production Board took control of industry. Uh, it halted production of non-essential items like passenger cars, uh, rubber was much needed um, because Japan had overtaken the rubber trees uh, or fields, I should say, of British Malaya. Gasoline had to be rationed to help save tires. Uh, interestingly, uh, the speed limit was passed Okay, to, again, uh, try to conserve gasoline and, and rubber. Agricultural production was incredible. Though many farm boys went to war, new equipment, fertilizers, yielded just record harvests. However, um, you know, with consumer items becoming more scarce, that means prices would rise. So we do have some inflation. So the Office of Price Administration was put in place to regulate prices. You know, critical items were rationed to keep consumption down, like meat and butter. You know, um, it, the War Labor Board set ceilings on wages. All right, so lower wages means you know lower prices. Though, uh, you know, a lot of people hated the wage regulations, especially the labor unions. Uh, labor unions do promise not to strike during the war. Some did anyway. Uh, like the United Mine Workers, uh, led by uh, none other than John L. Lewis. Congress will pass the smith Connolly Anti-Strike Act in 1943 which gave the federal government the authority to seize and run industries crippled by strikes. The government took over the coal mines and railroads, although just briefly. So all in all, you know, strikes were, were minimal during World War II. However, 
with some 15 million men and 216,000 women in the military during World War II. Okay. The, and for example, uh, the most famous uh, women that we could talk about uh, in the military were these, these female organizations like the, uh, the WAACS or the WACS in the Army or the WAVES in the Navy or, or the SPARS in the Coast Guard. Uh, the most, of course, the most able-bodied men were off at war. So industry really needed workers. All right. So it, here comes the Bracero program, which brought workers from Mexico to harvest crops. This is especially out west. And of course, program was successful. And as we know, stayed on for about 20 more years after the war. And women, as we mentioned uh in the military are also going to step up in the factory as they took a lot of war jobs. Uh, for many women, this was really, we could say the first real job outside the home. Almost certainly this was the first job for women in these kinds of industries. You know, women are building planes, artillery shells, tanks. As you know, the symbol for the woman worker will be Rosie the Riveter with her sleeves rolled up and her rivet gun in her hand. Without question, the war opened things up for women in the workplace. Uh, women are now proving themselves and gaining respect. But after the war, most women, and we could say probably about two-thirds, will leave the workplace and maybe head right into, should we say, this post-war and you know 1950s suburban life which will lead to a post-war baby boom, which uh, resulted when many of the men got home from war. And most women returned to their other job of being homemakers and mothers. We also saw a lot of wartime migrations. You know, as, as during the Great Depression, the war forced people to move around the country. Uh, Franklin Roosevelt had long been determined to help the economically hurting South and he funneled money southward in defense contracts, and this would plant the seeds really of the Sun Belt boom after the war. So the South really benefits from war industries during World War II. African Americans, again, uh, similar to World War One, but maybe on a greater scale now, are moving out of the South in large numbers, usually heading to northern cities, but also out west. Uh, the African-American leader, A. Philip Randolph, uh, though, is very upset with the way African-Americans are being treated in the war industries. And he is prepared, as he called it, quote, Negro March on Washington, D.C., to clamor for uh, even more African-Americans to be hired in defense jobs in the military. Franklin Roosevelt, of course, responded by banning discrimination in defense industries, which also Franklin Roosevelt set up the Fair Employment Practices Commission to serve as kind of the watchdog over the discrimination ban. And, you know, African-Americans uh, 
are, are serving in the military, but let's remember in segregated units. Okay, so aside from the segregation, there, there was discrimination such as uh, separate blood banks for each race, and often the roles of blacks were, were more menial, such as cooks, truck drivers, etc. So generally, however, the war and the efforts of African Americans really encouraged uh, the African American to strive for more equality. You know, they had a slogan called the double V, you know, victory overseas versus the dictators, but also victory at home versus racism. And I, I think Franklin Roosevelt has to be very careful here with discrimination at home because we are fighting one of the, well, we could probably say the biggest racist of all time in Adolf Hitler. Okay, so we certainly don't want a double standard. Black organizations increased in membership. Uh, matter of fact, the NAACP, or the National Association for the Advancement of Colored People, is nearing half a million. Uh, another organization we can bring up called CORE, Congress of Racial Equality, was founded. And, you know, one thing we could mention, too, is one of the reasons for the move of the African-American up north was the mechanical cotton picker now was invented. And this freed a lot of African-Americans from the age-old cotton-picking job. So another reason they'll move up north and out west uh, in many of these war industries. Native Americans also uh, fought in the war in large numbers. Um, you know, the Native American, famously the Navajo and Comanche Indians, were code talkers. And we use the, the, the Native Americans because, you know, only they know their kind of language. So it's really impossible for it to be broken. So, you know, they traded messages using their traditional language and their codes were never broken in the United, uh, in World War II. So all the moving around uh, you know, kind of mixed people who weren't accustomed to it. And there there were some clashes. I mean, for example, you know, uh, as we call it kind of the rubbing of the races here in, in Los Angeles, uh, some white sailors attacked some Mexican and Mexican-Americans in L.A. in 1943, which some of these Mexican groups will call themselves the Zoot Suits or the Zoot Suit Riots named after these long suit coats that the uh, Hispanic war. Also, 25 blacks and nine whites were killed in a Detroit race riot. Okay, so um, this is definitely apparent as people move around, which is often the case. Well, as you can see, the United States is a race against time because uh, Hitler is not stopping. And, you know, the quicker the United States can get in the war and help Great Britain and the rest of the allies uh, against Germany and Italy and Europe, and obviously Japan and the Pacific is the better for our situation. So to quote Franklin Roosevelt again, you know, never was there a time in American history to where we had to do so much in such a short period of time. 
So again, you know, the big question today was, you know, why was time of the essence in World War II? Well, we are in fact uh, in a race against time. And uh, to see how fast the United States prepared and equipped our military and eventually shipped them all across the world along with our supplies and food is really probably one of the most amazing topics in World War II. Okay, so uh, there is our first podcast on World War II. Well, thank you for joining us today, and we will be back to talk more about the United States in World War II as we answer the big questions of history. Thank you.